Blessed Father, Lord, we do just thank you. We bless you. We praise you for your goodness, your truth, your beauty. And Lord, that we could gather here tonight as the body of Christ. Uh, Lord, just to talk about and to learn about extending your kingdom wherever we go. Uh, learning the art of asking questions, Lord. Jesus, you asked lots of questions in your time on earth. And Lord, may we become better at that. Become good at asking questions. Become better at listening and understanding and just clearly communicating your truth and your love uh, to a dark and dying world around us. We just pray that you'd fill us, Holy Spirit, and it's in your glorious and magnificent name we ask these things. Amen. You know, we talk about a lot of things, and, you know, technology is a great thing, right? I was just talking with some guys here earlier before the class started, and they said, you know, man, if, man, if, I, if I had this growing up, it's, you know, because I... It's just like, I'm looking up at the word wherever up there, and I'm like, wow, is that even spelled right? You know, this doesn't look right. And so he asked Siri, and he confirmed that it is right. And, and so it's just like, you know, we, we, we just don't retain things because we just, it's all on our phones. And they said, you know, if you needed to know somebody's phone number, right? They said, well, what would you tell them if you needed somebody to call your wife? I said, this thing called baby cakes. Shoop, shoop. She'll pick it up. Baby cakes is good. I don't even know my wife's cell phone number. <clears throat> and so she's just number one on the dial list, and it's baby cakes, and it's good. And, and uh, I mean, you think about it. Do you know anybody's phone numbers? You got a few? <laughs> of course, my wife. Okay, I'm the only one that doesn't know anybody's phone numbers. Okay, I just shame myself, and it's okay. I'm, I'm good at that. Um, anyway, let's move on. All right, so we're engaging the culture. We talked about tactics last week. Uh, let me turn this on. All right, we're talking about tactics, and we are actually in part two. So what was the, we actually made it to question number two. We're going to start over there again, but what's question number one? What do you mean by that, right? That's the first question that we need to learn to ask when we get into these discussions, right? And so learning the art of asking questions will get us into more gospel conversations, Okay, it'll get us into more gospel conversations. Um, anyway, I'll save that till we get back. And so it's, what do you mean by that? So let me ask you this. Did anybody get the opportunity this past week to ask that question of anybody? All right. How did that work for you, Leland? Oh, yeah, those Christians that know it, everything, and they want to, they're okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. Matthew? It wasn't a gospel thing, but, you know, when you ask your son, how was school? And the only, the only word you get is good. Hey, I said, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the teenage vocabulary is pretty limited when they get around their parents, you know. It's just, sometimes it's even monosyllabic and that type of stuff, but... So yeah, it's that, it's that opportunity we need, and it takes practice to ask that question because, again, we're used to just, you know, something comes up, and, man, we just want to re rebut it, make statements, whatever it is, share our opinions about it. It's always better to ask a question. What do you mean by that? And it takes practice. It takes practice to get used to doing that. And like I said, if you've got teenagers, man, I mean, you should be an expert like at the end of the month. Right, because they share very little. Right? The masters of communication. We learned with our youngest son, we could call him, he wouldn't pick up the phone, nothing. Text him, he'd respond right away. So we'd call and he wouldn't pick up the phone and we'd text, and it's like, why are you texting me right now and you didn't answer the phone? Right? But you can start asking those questions and use those on your kids, use them on your pe people at work. And again, it's just we got to get into that habit of asking those questions so when it, when it comes time, it just becomes more of a natural part of the process as we're working through that. Yeah, Bob. Is that not also common in other cultures that nobody likes when you ask that question in any kind? Many people will make a statement, and if you ask them, you know, what do you mean by You know, I'm not supposed to back up something in every... Yeah, and it, and it is because, you know, we live in a culture where, you know, people make statements all the time and you're supposed to accept it. And, yeah, and as we talked about last week, sometimes people, you know, as far as for Christians, they'll make those statements just to 
knowing that you're not going to have an answer for it. Right? And Don? I also think it has to be your tongue and how you deliver it, too. You don't want to be condescending. Yeah. Yeah, tone matters. Tone, tone definitely matters. Did anybody get a chance to watch the videos? There were five videos. Did anybody get a chance to watch any of those? Matthew, you did? I watched a couple of Okay. Okay. Man, I want to encourage you to go and watch those What Would You Say videos. They're great. Uh, it'll just reinforce kind of what we're working through, and they're always going to be there for you that you can go back and revisit those things. Um, like I said, they're definitely positive things to work with and good reminders. So anyway, so we are tactics part two, and this is really where we, we covered this question last week, question number two, um, and it is, how did you come to that conclusion, right? And so that follows, somebody makes a statement, and, you know, we don't need God because of evolution, and we ask well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And again, there's several different things that you can hone in on, and we'll see that come up here in a little bit. Um, and then they'll respond whatever they think that you're honing in on. And then it's like, wow, that's, that's interesting. You know, how did you come to that conclusion? And that's the second question that we want to ask. And again, we just want to, again, we don't want to launch in that we know what they think about evolution. Because we don't until they tell us. Okay? So it's important. What do you mean by that? And then the next question after they respond to that or answer that is, you know, how did you come to that conclusion? Again, we're, what we're doing is we're looking for, we're looking for several things. One, it allows us to gain a further understanding why that person believes the claim that they made. Okay. And sometimes we ask the question, well, how did you come to that conclusion? And it just stumps them. It just stumps them. And it's like, well, I've never really thought about that. I just heard it said, and it seems like something I believe. But I've never really thought about how did I come to that conclusion. You know, it's that idea if you're raised in a Christian home, you're going to be a Christian. If you're raised in a Muslim home, you're going to be a Muslim or a Hindu or whatever that case is. Um, and it sounds really good until you find somebody that was raised in a Muslim home, but they're, they're now a Christian. And so we want to be able to find out why they believe what they believe, okay? And then, or it could reveal they've really not given it much thought. And again, that's what I was just talking about. And they're just repeating a talking point that they've heard. I've heard that before. I'm going to spit that back out. It sounded good. And you'll know it's a talking point. I mean, if you have enough of the conversations on a particular topic and you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again, it's a talking point. They're just repeating something that they heard from a professor, heard from a mom and dad, got off of an atheistic website, uh, YouTube, or wherever else, and they, it just keeps getting repeated over and over again. You're like, oh, talking point. Do they really know what that means and how that, how that comes about? Or they've used it against Christians and they've just shut Christians down with that. They've answered it and I just don't really know how to respond. Uh, I was in a meeting on Sunday and it was a, um, it was a missionary. He was over in Russia and so he was just speaking and a very, very interesting. I mean, this guy was great. And again, he was all about asking questions. Right. And which is really important if you're in a foreign country, right, that you're just learning the language and type of stuff. But he was all about asking questions. And so he he was telling this story that he was in in Russia in, in a McDonald's in line. And there's this irony in all of that. But anyway, that's another story altogether. And so he turns around and he's just striking up conversations with anybody he can. And so he was talking with this young lady and and. Um, and he's trying to get to the gospel and talk about spiritual things. And the person said, oh, I believe in parallel universes. And he said, so I just said, um, so he said, I just turned around and placed my order and left. Because he had, he's like, okay, I, they stumped me. What do I say to parallel universes? But what he did was great. Because he went home and he studied up on parallel universes. And so he says, I won't be stumped by that one again. 
It may be another question, but I won't be stumped by that one again. And so he went home and he did the hard work that he could figure something out about parallel universes and what that means and what the possibilities are. And so when it comes up, he can follow up with another question. Okay? Because a lot of times people will say something and they say it because it stumped Christians before and it stops the conversation altogether. And again, back when we used to, uh, Bill used to do evangelism explosion, you know, it's a, it's a gospel training thing if you're familiar with that. And man, you would be trained on it and then you would go and knock on doors and visit and you're trying to get into gospel conversations. And it was just interesting. I was out there with, and I was kind of learning this with some people and they knocked on the door and say, hey, we're from Bellevue Baptist Church and we'd just like to ask you a few questions. I'm Catholic. And the conversation was over. I mean, even the trainer was like, um, well, yeah, thanks. And we left, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's it? <laughs> I'm Catholic, and it just shut it down. Right? What would we ask now? Yeah, what do you mean by that? What does it mean to be Catholic? Right? And then if they got a decent response, then how did you come to that conclusion? How did you, how did you come to be a Catholic? Right? Because I can sit there and talk about, well, when I was growing up, we were Catholics. We weren't good Catholics. We just said we're Catholics to, to shut people up so they wouldn't bother us. So you could turn around and ask, well, why am I a Catholic? Well, because uh, my parents took me to a Catholic church when we went to church. Right? And that's, that's all I got, if that's all that it means to be Catholic. But we have to ask the questions, and then we have to listen. Okay? So when someone makes a statement or a claim, don't immediately launch into a rebuttal. Don't immediately launch into a rebuttal and try to refute their claim. You don't want to do that. Basically, that makes the conversation be tense right away from the beginning, and you're probably not going to have a follow-up conversation. And if it breaks out into an argument, you lose. You lose. If it, I, again, if, if that other person gets upset, I lose. If I get upset, I lose. Right? That is a lose-lose proposition to let it go to such a tense point that it's just really it's, it's an argument. It's no longer a discussion. It's an argument. We lose. We lose. We don't want to let it get to that point. All right? The person making the claim is responsible for providing the evidence to support their claim. Okay? Because of evolution, there is no God. Well, what does that mean? How did you come to that? What evidence do you have for that? There's all kinds of evidence. Is that a response? It's a response. It's just not a good one. And it's not one that answers the question. Right? We're looking for evidence that's going to support that. Make them support their claim. Don't give them a free pass. Right? It's their job to explain why they think their claim is true. Right, And so often that's what happens as Christians, right? Somebody challenges our faith, and we, it gets comfortable, uncomfortable, it gets awkward, and we may not have a good response. And then we let them go by not answering their faith. Right? We just walk away defeated instead of saying, well, okay, I, yeah, I'll need to look into that. I should know what I believe. What is it that you believe? Because everybody's got to make a defense for what they believe. Don't give them a pass. Ask the questions in a kind way, in a sincere way. But we need to ask the questions. Why do you think that's true? Right? It's not our job to prove the claim wrong. It's their job to prove the claim true. It's their job to prove their claim true. Right? And so if you ask somebody, well, how did you come? You do your own homework. Do your own homework. And I'm like, well, one, that doesn't, that's not a response to your claim. You made the claim. I'm just trying to understand how you got to that point. 
Did you do your homework? I'm just trying to understand. If they made the claim, they need to support the claim. If someone attacks Christianity and then invites you to prove them wrong, don't take it. Jesus is just a myth. Prove me wrong. You don't want to take that up. They're the ones that made the claim that Jesus is a myth. It's like, well, why do you think he's a myth? Well, I want you to prove it wrong. I said, but you made the claim, right? Don't let them make the claim and then pass the buck on you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I do this all the time. If I'm talking with an agnostic, an atheist, whatever it is, I'll make a claim and then I'll say, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I have yet to have anybody said, well, you made the claim. (laughs) You know, they whip out their tactics book, chapter 4, and say, right here, you're supposed to make the claim. They never do. They just try to defend the statement that I made. Now, I do that a lot. But if they came back and said, well, you made the claim, you need to support that. Then I would need to come to the table and, and support the claim that I made. But nobody's ever challenged me on that. But if they do, I need to come back and, and offer the, a proper response. Questions so far? All right. The person making the claim bears the burden of proof. All right. Now, if you come across the rare person who actually has given some thought to their claim, and they can actually give you some evidence for you know, what it is that they believe, and you're not sure how to respond... What do you do? Say, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you just turned around and said, you know, that's interesting. I've never thought about that before. Let me think about that. And again, it was like this missionary. Oh, I believe in parallel universes. Oh, that's a good one. I'll need to get back to you on that. And it's okay. You know, we don't know everything. Nobody does. You're going to get lots of questions that you don't know the answer to. Just, you know, don't fake it. Don't fake it. Just say, wow, that's a, I've never heard that before. Can, can I have a few days to think about that? And the beautiful thing about that is, is you leave the door open for another conversation. Can I have a few days to think about that and we can get back together? It extends the conversation to another day, hopefully. Then when the pressure's off, you got time to go study the topic and prepare a response. Just don't walk away and leave that hanging and don't ever come back to that. One, you've missed an opportunity to learn and you'll miss an opportunity to extend the gospel. So go and do the hard work, all right? And then come back and have the conversation. Again, this conversation I was having with this guy several weeks ago, he, he just flat out said it. He's, I've been asking people all over the pastors all over the city and, and you're the only one that's been able to answer these questions. I think Christians are lazy and they just don't want to, he just said, I think they're lazy. And I said, well, you know, I'd agree with you. A lot of them are. They just fail to do the hard work to know what it is they believe and to be able to defend it. But the point I still brought it back to was that I said, that's really not the issue. The issue is I've been able to answer your questions. What are you going to do with this? Right? I mean, we can run off on that tangent and do that. But nonetheless, we need to put the work in to learn what we believe and what other people believe. Bob? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is a good, kind way to have the conversation. And I, man, I'm just, this is just a cool story on this thing, and it is still tied to this guy. It is the, the Sunday, really the week before I, I met up with this guy. Um, I was teaching class of college students. And there was a particular thing I was opening up with. It's called the theory of everything. And, and so I was opening up with that. And so I just, going into this theory, uh, I, I jumped back into multiverse. 
in these parallel universes just to kind of the refresh for the class thinking, oh, this will be good. They'll understand it. So I asked the students, right, there's 30, 40 students in there. And I'm like, hey, is anybody familiar with the theory of everything? Just crickets. And I'm like, seriously? I'm like, what are y'all, English majors or something? They'd never heard of it. And I thought, well, that was a waste. You know, I spent that time refreshing on multiverse, and, you know, they're just going back to Spider-Man and, right, Marvel and stuff. And there was zero discussion on it. And I thought, what a waste of time that was. God doesn't waste anything. Because two days later, I was talking about multiverse with this guy. God doesn't waste anything. Just know that your preparation today God will use it tomorrow. You know, so be faithful in that. Right? That's the motto with that. Be faithful in your preparation and studying God's word, living that out and sharing it. Because what you learn today, God will use it tomorrow. Okay? Questions? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great point because I, I don't have it in here, but talk about it. Even when it goes bad, I mean, because typically we're like, man, I don't, I don't want to talk about that because that was like a train wreck. That was like a train wreck. And I still have train wrecks. Man, I still get into conversations and it's like, man, I just forgot everything. Bible knowledge, whatever it is, it's just all got, and it's just like, well, that, that was just bad. But I always try to find somebody. And when it goes good, I try to find somebody to talk about it. Unfortunately, Kevin is probably one of those guys. I'm like, hey, Kevin, got a minute? <laughs> you know, and so we just, we just talk. Like you said, we debrief. And it helps us. One, it helps me. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I could have said this. I could have said this. I could have said this. And so I'm learning from it, but he's learning from it also. And so have those conversations after you have the conversation. Think about it, walk through it, write things down, do the study, do the research that you need to to go back and answer those questions. Like I said, it takes time and it takes work. Julie? Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can, you don't, you don't have to know a lot. Look, I've been in conversations where a person brought up something and I knew nothing. I knew nothing about what it was they said, but I learned, ask questions. Well, well, what does that mean? And how did you, and I'm still sticking with the questions and I'm letting them talk and I'm letting them educate me on that. 
And then I'm just, I'm just listening and something will come up and it'll be, I, I know about that. I know about that. Hey, what about this? And then I'll hone in on a particular point. And then sometimes I, I, I don't know anything and I gotta go, I gotta go find something. I gotta go learn it. Bob. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can always come back because you should you should be able to tell about what you believe. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to get to is that you can share what it is you believe about Christ, about Scripture, about life, about reality. Um, so those are good. OK, we're, I've, I've got some examples that we're going to come up with. Right. You've got them on your sheet. What I want you to do is, is to team up and work through the statements in one. Somebody says the statement and then you work question number one and then you let them answer it. And then question number two. Right. And you just want to go get used to asking the questions and hearing the statement or hearing the statements and then asking the questions. Right. So the first one is evolution proves there's no God. I've used that as an example a couple of times. So this partner up and say, one of you start it and then evolution proves there's no God. So the other person should say, well, what do you mean? There's there's really there's three things on there that you could hone in on without dealing with the whole statement. There's three aspects of that statement that you could say, well, what do you mean by what are those three statements? What are the three things? Proof. Yeah. Proof's the other one. It's what do you mean by evolution? When you say God, what does that mean? And what would you consider proof? Those are the three things. And again, I, I would suggest grab one and that's what you ask. What do you mean by that? Instead of trying to do the whole thing, you want to try to hone it down to one point if you can. Okay, go. You ask the question and make the statement and ask the question. That's exactly what. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's just a reminder that kind of gets you going. It's oh yeah, it reinforces what we've been talking about. Yeah, well, you don't get that. Yeah. Okay, did everybody get a chance to, to do that? Okay, here's the next one. If God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? If God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? Ask the two questions. Yeah, without God, there's there's no foundation for saying something's good or bad. Yeah, without God, there's there's no saying that there's something that there's good or bad. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, here's the last statement. Biology and gender are two different things. Questions and response. Biology and gender are two different things. Okay, which one of those would you find the easiest to deal with? Which one of those three would you find the easiest to talk about? The, the evil? Okay. Yeah, there's got to be some measuring rod or some stick or some standard by what we call something evil or what, which we call something good. Any other ones? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Good. Biology and gender, nobody picked that as the easy one? Yeah. So if the, everybody knows that, is, I mean, what is that? I mean, is that a, you say, well, how, how did you know that? Well, everybody knows that. Well, what's your, your response would be, the, yeah, how do they know that? I mean, why do they, are you sure that it, I don't know that? That's why I'm asking. Please help me understand. And again, it's always good to follow up with something. You know, please help me. I'm just trying to understand your position. And it's just always good to add that in there. Just, you know, because again, I'm not looking for an argument. I'm just trying to extend the discussion that we can get to the gospel. Okay? So the next section, opinion and proof. We got statements. Right? Making a statement or a claim is not an argument or proof. And so what happens oftentimes is you'll see an expert will make a claim, they'll make it, they'll share their opinion, and they'll treat it like it's a fact or it's a proof, and they accept, expect you to take it that way. And so it's important that we understand, is it an opinion or is it truly a fact that they're sharing? It's important that we understand that and we just don't get caught up in the, in the expertise of somebody when, and often they're not even talking in their expertise. So until you present your argument or proof, all you've done is offered an opinion. Jesus is real. Okay, that you've shared your opinion, you've shared your belief, but you've offered no reason why they should believe that. You know, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I read a lot of stuff through the course of the week and preparing for things. And, and I, I just I happen to get into, a, you know, quite a few articles on climate change and climate justice and all of these other things. And I'll bet you if I, heard, if I read it once, I read it 10 times. Climate change is real. 
talking point. I mean, it was in every article that I was reading. Climate change is real. Talking point. Until you provide evidence, why should I come to your side and, and believe that? How is that going to persuade me to take up that mantle and say, no, okay, that's a possibility. So examples. Right? Richard Dawkins, I'm against religion because it teaches us to be satisfied with not understanding the world. Opinion? Very, yeah, very much so. It's an opinion, but he states it like it's a fact. He doesn't say, in my opinion, or I believe. Yeah, he just states it. I said, are you sharing an opinion? Or are you sharing a fact? If he says it's a fact, he needs to bring evidence. If he says it's my opinion, why should I believe your opinion any more than anybody else's? Right? Neil deGrasse Tyson, the more educated you are, the less religious you are. Opinion? Fact. Huh? Definitely an opinion. Right? Well, well, what what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you believe in Jesus, you're trailer park trash. Okay. Well, I may be. I'm not denying that. But, but what about John Lennox? And this is probably where it's good to know some people, some scientists and stuff, right? What about John Lennox? What about Francis Collins? These guys are highly intelligent people, but they're followers of Christ. I mean, what do, you, what do you do with that? Yeah, Trinae. I was just reading in my first technical book of marketing, and they were talking about how that typically the trend is that as a country gets more and more sophisticated, they get less and less religious, but that America is the one exception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because what we find out, that's a false statement. And if we've studied and we've prepared, we can, we can bring evidence against that. Like I said, me bringing up John Lennox, Alvin Plantinga, like I said, Francis Collins, right? He's the guy that mapped out the human genome, right? I mean, that probably took more than simple math, I would think. And it's like, just by presenting that refutes his statement. And that's all that it is. It's, a, it's an opinion. It's a, it's a statement, right? Richard Dawkins, again, you know, he's my favorite person to pick on. Uh, faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and to evaluate evidence, Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. Oh, we talking about evolution. Yeah. evidence Well, and you can. And again, we go through our questions. Well, what do you mean by... And, and you pick out a point. Again, there's a lot being said up there, so you don't want to try to tackle the whole thing. So you pick out a point. Well, what is belief? Or what do you consider evidence? Right? Because the interesting thing is, is every time science has never made a discovery that's refuted the Bible. Yeah, and again, absolutely. It's are, are we talking opinion or are we talking fact? But we need to be able to make sure we're recognizing it and that we're listening and that we're honing in on something in the statement. But just because they're an expert, right? Because he's a a biological evolutionist. I mean, that's what Richard Dawkins does. He's talking about faith and belief, right? If he's the only one that can talk about biology, then he probably shouldn't be talking about theology, But he can know something about theology, and I can know something about biology. And we can have a discussion. But we need to make sure we understand the difference between a statement and a fact. All right, Stephen Hawking. All right, because there's the law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself out of nothing. And he said this at this huge conference. I mean, this is a statement that Richard Dawkins, before he passed on, he said this at a huge conference. And everybody was just, wow. 
the guru has spoken. And I'm like, you can't prove that. You can't prove that scientifically. You can't even prove that mathematically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because nothing or something can't, you, know, you can't create something out of nothing. But, and also what he's saying is the law of gravity existed before there was something. That's another statement that's being made in there, which the law of gravity, it only, when you talk about any law of nature, it's only describing how something works, right? So the law of gravity is why things fall, why we stay in, on the earth. Never mind. Why? <laughs> I was getting ready to go. I'm not going to do that. Um, so anyway, so it just describes how things work. Well, for the law of gravity to work, you have to have material needs to be in existence. In other words, there needs to be matter for gravity to even be in existence. So it's not like gravity existed when there was nothing because gravity is something. And I'm probably talking way too much about this whole thing. Um, And so it is a self-defeating argument just on that alone. But when he said this at Oxford, they were just like, wow, that's brilliant. It's not brilliant. People heard what they wanted to hear because you can't prove that. And it is a self-defeating argument. So thanks, Matthew. And then Thomas Nagel. Right? I want atheism to be true and made uneasy by the fact. I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I might be that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want there. I don't want the universe to be like that. Now, here's the thing about this. He's sharing an opinion and he's sharing it as an opinion. And that's the difference. He is. He's he's just being honest about it, which is kind of funny because if we back up to Richard Dawkins, it's like, well, you know, Thomas Nagel doesn't believe that. Or I'm sorry, not. uh, It was Neil deGrasse Tyson that said that. That the more educated you get, the the less religious you are. So I apologize. So I mean, you could say, well, well, Thomas Nagel doesn't believe that. Again, he's sharing an opinion. He's not sharing it as a fact. It's just what he wants. It's what he believes. And whether he's right or wrong, okay, that remains to be discussed, but that's his feelings, that's his opinion, and that's appropriate. He is being honest on that, and that's an appropriate statement to make, and how to make it. Yeah, Kevin? I don't know if you talked about this, but I think the idea of looking for the opportunity to agree with Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Try to find those, those crossovers. Again, it's this. I usually teach the students. It's just like, man, if you got a teacher or professor ask you, do you believe in evolution? Tell them, yes, I do believe in evolution. And then describe microevolution, right, which is change within a species. We see it all the time. We can make it happen. Yeah, I believe in microevolution. It happens all the time. What I don't believe in is that we can get one species out of a, a completely different species, macroevolution. I don't believe that. There's, there's no evidence for that. And once, when you respond that way, you take away their leverage. Because normally what will happen is, hey, Matthew, do you believe in evolution? Nope. And then they'll go and describe microevolution. Oh, well, yeah, there is that. Oh, I see you're confused on this. Right? You start it in whole. So it's, it's okay, find those things, 
you do need to, to learn some things and understand some things to do this. But again, you're always going to be able to further the conversation. Right? There's going to be a time that we can bring these other things in. Um, so anyway, so I love that one from Thomas Nagel. So true or almost true? People almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Blaise Pascal. Do you believe that true or not true? Or almost true? Huh? Yeah, on a, ha- a happiness quest? Yeah. And so often that's, what pe- that's how people come. You know what? All of the people that were listening to uh, Hawkins, Stephen Hawkins, right? Because the law of gravity exists, the universe can come to exist out of nothing. Everybody in there wanted to hear that. Oh, yeah. The fact that it's a self-refuting claim, that it just crumbles in on itself. I imagine there were some people in there that maybe, really? Hey, yeah. Stephen Hawking said it, right? Yeah, and who's going to raise their hand against Stephen Hawking, right, and say, hey, uh, excuse me? <laughs> You're not. But lots of people gather their beliefs because they're comfortable with it. They're comfortable with it. Again, man, this had a conversation with a guy, and man, he, he just cherry-picked his belief system from all over the place. I mean, just all kinds of religions. He just cherry-picked it. And so we talked. And so we just we went back and forth, and we talked, and I answered questions, and he, he answered questions and asked questions. And, and in the end, I was able to deconstruct his belief system. And I said, let me tell you about Jesus. And so I shared the gospel with him, and he said, I, I can't. And I'm like, you just, you just told me that you know what you believe is not true. You told me that. Why would you not want the truth? And he said, even if it's untrue, it's my belief system. And he was committed to something that he recognized as false. It's his belief system. We hang on to what we're we like what we find appealing to our lives. And again, that's the reason why the number one worldview in America today is syncretism. In other words, you're just grabbing these other ideas from all of these other worldviews. This is my worldview. It's a syncretistic worldview because I like it. And I'm comfortable with it. And I don't have to change the way I live. So often, you'll find a rare person that's truly seeking out truth. They're out there. There's not many of them. And again, you know what? I have my students ask all the time. They go ask their friends, why are you a Christian? (laughs) What kind of question is that? But why are you a Christian? Well, um, because I believe the Bible. That's not a proper response, right? Even within the church. We just hang on to things because we're comfortable with them. It shouldn't be that way. So, recap. All right, look at this. An assertion or a claim states a point. An argument gives reasons and or a proof. It gives evidence. That's what we're looking for. And we want to be able to discern between the two. So now, question number three. So, right, so we go through... What do you mean by that? I think every woman is entitled to health care. Well, what do you mean by health care? Or any more, we could say, what do you mean by woman? Right? That's, I think that's appropriate now. Five years ago, I wouldn't be saying that, but I think it's appropriate. So what do you mean by that? Well, how did you come to that conclusion? Right? And after you have this discussion, have you ever considered? Right? And this becomes the opportunity. This is You get to share your belief, your truth. This becomes the time where we get to work the gospel in. You know, I may not understand a whole lot about that whole multiverse, and I'm going to find out, but have you ever considered that, you know what, the, the God that I believe in, he made all those verses. If all those universes exist, he made them. Have you ever considered that possibility that there's a supernatural being that knows all things, he has all power, and he loves you so much, 
that he provided a way of salvation for you. And you get to the gospel. And that's ultimately what we're looking for. We're not looking to win arguments, right? to gain points. We're looking to get to the gospel. And sometimes we have to give people a reason to move away from their belief system to move towards the gospel. And that's what Paul does in Acts 17, right? when he's in Athens. He's just talking with them. He's not, he's not quoting scripture with them. He's reasoning with them in the marketplace, the Areopagus. And he's just reasoning with them. And he's talking about them from their perspective. Right? He didn't share any scripture because he's talking with a bunch of Greeks. They don't even know the Old Testament. So why share something that they don't understand nothing about? Let me just talk about where you're at and what it is that you believe. And so he talks on a level and a term that they're going to understand. Right? When you're talking with religious people, use, use scripture. If they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, okay, let's talk about scripture. Like, I don't believe that? Okay, let's talk about you something else. Truth is, is God's truth, no matter where you find it. And we need to insert that in there. So then, have you ever considered this is an opportunity, right, to offer your perspective, to present information that refutes their claim, or to present the gospel, or another truth from Scripture? Again, LifeWay has done studies, and again, I don't know how they ever figured this stuff out, but usually it's before somebody accepts the gospel, They've heard it at least six other times. They've heard the gospel at least six other times before they're ready to receive it. So you may be the first time or the fifth time. Know that, right, some plant and some water, but God brings the harvest. So you may be planting a seed. You may be watering a seed that's already been planted. We need to be faithful with what God's put before us. We're planting seeds or we're watering seeds. God brings in the harvest. And so, you know, we need to trust in the sovereignty of God like that. Now, you know, my thinking can be so warped sometimes. It's like, hang on, let me share this with you five more times. Right? Yeah, that's not it. Joseph, I know that's what you're thinking over there. You're like, hang on, man. I got a few more times to share this with you and it'll all be good. No. Be prepared to offer proof or evidence for what you claim or your perspective or your belief. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Man, it is as simple as that. Man, I was just talking this morning about a study that was done back in the 50s, and, and it was um, these students, they broke them up into six groups. And they were, they were going to go into this, co- this college class and the person, the professor in the class was going to give an argument about why brushing your teeth is bad for you, right? And so the first group, they didn't tell them anything. They just sent them in. And so they sent through this lecture on how, and convincing lecture on how brushing your teeth is bad for you. And so then the second group, they just sent in and they said, hey, you're going to go in and the professor's going to talk about um, why brushing your teeth is bad for you. And then they go in. And then the third group, they said, you're going to go in. The professor's going to talk about brushing your teeth is bad for you. But remember when we talked about how that's good for you? You remember? And they sent them in. And then you have the fourth group, and they said, this is what's going to happen. This is what the professor's going to say. Not just the topic, but some of the things that they're going to say. And they sent that group in. And then they sent the fifth group in. And they said, the professor's going to say this, but remember, here's the evidence against that. And then the sixth group was, they told them what the, prof- the topic was. They told them what the professor was going to say. And this is the evidence against what the professor said. And this is what we can offer as evidence f- to support your position. Right? And so those were the six groups. And so what group do you think did the worst? The first group? Who thinks the, fir- who thinks the first group? We got one. Who's not going to raise your hand? And I'm just wasting my time even asking this. Right? Kevin's like, yeah, that's me, right? The third group did the worst. The one that said, 
hey, Matthew, remember we talked about how brushing your teeth is good? Remember that. They did the worst. Even the ones that just were oblivious to what it was about. Right? Because they're just like, because when I shared that this morning, the students were like, that's crazy when I first said it. And that's what that first group thought when they went in. Some of them may have believed, okay, that's kind of convincing. I'll consider whatever it is. The third group did the worst. The group that did the best, the sixth group. We told them what they were going to talk about. We gave them the argument that they were going to give. We gave them evidence to refute the argument. And then we gave them evidence to support their argument. Inoculation plus refutation. But unfortunately, we send our students and our church members out in the world as group number three. Matthew. Because they were, because what happens is, is when we send our people out and they're like, just remember, Jesus is real. Remember the climate change thing? Just remember, Jesus is real. But then somebody gives you a convincing argument. And then you're like, wow, I've never heard that before. And, and, and I guess if, if there was some way to answer that, surely they would have told me about that at church. Surely my parents would have taught me that. There must be something to this, and that's what happens when our students go off to college. They hear arguments they've never heard before, and they don't know how to respond, and it becomes, I wonder why, I wonder why Rick didn't tell me about that. Inoculation plus refutation is what we need to be doing with our church members, with our students, with our friends. We need to tell them what's coming, right? We need to tell them what's coming so that they can be prepared. So just telling them, hey, trust me, Jesus is real, is not going to get them through college, the military, or any other work experience out there. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, because for them, faith is what Richard Dawkins described as faith, faith without evidence. That, that's what gets presented. So that's 100% spot on. And look, and I'll answer some crazy questions. If you're a student and you've got a question, and I may think that's, that's a nutty question, I will still spend time to research it and answer it. Now, if you're an adult and you come and ask me that question, it's like you need to get a life and you need to, get, you need to start studying this stuff. Right? But for a student, I will answer it every single time, even if it's this, what about aliens? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because I never want a student to walk away saying, he didn't even try to answer my question. I never want that. And we shouldn't want that. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, okay, the three Ps. Right? Somebody offers you an explanation, proof, whatever it is. We need to think about the three Ps, right? Is it possible? Is it plausible? Is it probable? Right? Matthew and I were just talking about probabilities, or he was talking about probabilities, and I was standing in awe of just his wisdom and, and mathematical skills and all of that, which it doesn't take much to make me, because anyway, right? So we're going to move on. Right? Re so how about this? Reincarnation was secretly removed from the Bible during, during the 4th century. So now we want to talk about, is that possible? Is it plausible? Is it probable? 
Now, time, I was going to say, well, we're not going to do that. Is, which one is that? Is, is that possible? Yeah. See, that's, that's your point right there. That's your point right there. It's not like we're talking one manuscript and we went and removed reincarnation from it. To, to remove reincarnation from the Bible, you would have to remove it from thousands of manuscripts. Thousands of manuscripts. You would have to find every single manuscript and remove reincarnation from it. It's not even possible. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't possible. It's not possible. Show me your proof. Bring your evidence to the table, right? Not possible. Okay? Is, is this possible? No, it's not. I don't care what Kevin Dormer says, right? That's not possible. All right. Well, something may be possible, it may not be plausible. Okay, so now in Kevin's case, it's probably not plausible. He thinks we can remove it, but it's still not plausible, right? So here's an example, right? It's possible Anna and my wife would cook Brussels sprouts for dinner tonight, but it's not plausible that I would eat them. I would not. She could cook it, and she could put it on the table. I'm not eating it. I ate it once. Not, it was not a good experience for anybody. Not good. Possible, but not plausible. Okay, you guys with me? (laughs) It's possible that the universe brought itself into existence. It's possible, right? So now we go back to Hawking. While something may be possible and plausible, it may not be probable. Okay? So even to consider that, it's like, is this the best possible explanation to consider, or are there other choices? Is it is really that the law of gravity brought the universe into existence out of nothing? Again, I would go back to say it's not possible, but for the sake of this argument, it's like, are there other cho- explanations that are better off? Right? The odds of that happening is like 10 to the 34th power. It'd be almost a miracle. And I had this discussion with an atheist once, And I said, there's no way. I mean, the number is so astronomical, we don't even hardly know what the number is. And he he said, well, it's still possible. And I said, do you know what we would call that? He says, what? I said, a miracle. He said, okay, your point's made. It is so beyond the reach of reality, it would take a miracle for that to happen. Is it plausible? Is it possible? Is it probable? Then we, then, then we start walking through somebody's explanation. Again, the guy with multiverse. It's not probable. There's, a, there's other opportunities. There's, you know, there's things that we can talk about, and there's things that, we, that would be a better explanation. All right? And so we deal with, we don't need to believe that God brought life into existence because we know that life can come through the laws of nature. Right? And again, it's just another belief that's out there. All right? So what's the reality of that? Well, we got something called the law of biogenesis, which says life only comes from life. Right? And then I've had somebody say, well, what about abiogenesis? Yeah, that's just a bad theory. And you can't prove it, right? That life can come from non-life. That's what abiogenesis is. Well, you, you can't prove that. Science hasn't ever proved. Have we ever seen life come from non-life? Well, we haven't. Have we ever proven it in a lab? We haven't. Right? And again, so each one of these things become an argument against this statement. The more probable answer would be that life only comes from life. And that intelligence only comes from intelligence. And that existence only comes from existence. And the only thing that you've got that's prior to the Big Bang is a triune God that's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving. That's all you got. You have to have something to get something. You don't ever get something from nothing. And so we deal with, have you ever considered? All right? And what do you mean by that, right? We're seeking for clarification. We ask, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, 
we know that life can come from non-life, right? And then we, we start answering these questions. We deal with the three Ps, possible, plausible, and probable. And again, I know you're not going to get this. You sit through the class one time. It just takes practice. It takes having those discussions. It just takes having bad discussions that, turn, that go bad. And it's okay. It's okay. Learn from them. So the three questions. What do you mean by that? How do you come to that conclusion? Have you ever considered? And then these are the things, if you haven't, again, I encourage you to go back. It'll just reinforce everything that we've talked about over the last two weeks. Is there any questions? Any questions? Are we good? You got it? Man, put this into practice. Do it with your kids. Do it with your parents. Do it with your friends. When they just say something, and you may know what they're talking about, what do you mean by that? I mean, after a while, they're probably going to ask you, why are you being so annoying? And said, because my teacher was annoying, and he's asking me to do this. And that's okay. Ask the questions. Have the conversations. Learn and grow. All right? For equipping and engage the culture with and for the cause of Christ and to further the kingdom wherever our feet walk. That is what we're called to do, to go and create a culture of flourishing. Questions? Let me close this in prayer. Blessed Father, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you just haven't sent us out blindly into the world uh, just as a sheep among wolves, but... Lord, you've given us the filling of the Holy Spirit. You've given us your wisdom. It's there for us. And Lord, may we ask for that wisdom each day. May we share that wisdom and love and kindness and mercy and grace. Lord, may we just put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations that we can have those conversations because with each one, we're, we're extending your kingdom. Uh, we're putting your truth out there. And may we do so in a way that's honoring to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bless each of us as we go forward this week, O oh Lord. Strengthen us and guide us. Uh, be the voice behind us to tell us to go to the left or to the right. Lord, we love you. We bless you and praise you. And it's in your glorious name, Lord Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.